This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. We've been, we've been doing a, a series on 25 days of blessing, but we always start with a joke, some of, some of our favorite jokes. Here's one of mine. Uh, so what's that got to do with church? Not a thing, but it's, it's just good medicine. And uh, Father, Father Morgan was a priest in Ireland who had uh, spent 50 years in one little parish, and uh, he was retiring. And uh, his bucket list item was he always wanted to go to Las Vegas. And so his parish took up money, and they, they sent him on a trip to Las Vegas. When he landed at LaGuardia Airport in New York City, he was going through customs. And the custom guy looked at his passport, he looked up, and he, he double-taked, and he went, oh my gosh, Elvis. He said, Elvis, it's you. I know it's been a long time, but Elvis, I'd recognize that face anywhere. Elvis, I, I knew you weren't dead. Elvis, I'm one of your biggest fans. I knew, I knew you were alive, Elvis. Oh, Elvis, welcome back. Welcome to America, Elvis. And uh, Father Morgan looked at him and said, I'm Father Morgan, I'm a priest from Ireland. Now, that's a horrible Irish accent, but you get the point. <laughs> He got, to, he got to Las Vegas, landed, got his, got his bags, and was standing on, on the curb and got a taxi. Taxi driver, when he pulled up, he, he was putting his bags in the trunk. He looked at him kind of funny, put his bags in the trunk. He kept looking in the, in the rearview mirror as they were driving to the hotel. Finally, he went, Elvis, I know it's you. Elvis, Elvis, I knew you weren't dead. I, I never believed him when they said you were dead. Elvis, I'm one of your biggest fans. I've got all your stuff. Elvis, it's so good to see you. Elvis, welcome back to Las Vegas. Elvis, this is where you belong. And Father Morgan looks at him and said, I'm not Elvis. I'm a priest. My name is Father Morgan. I'm from Ireland. And uh, the taxi driver just ignored him. And they pulled up to the hotel. Taxi driver pops the trumpet and he runs inside. And in a few moments, the concierge runs out. And he sees, he sees Father Morgan. He goes, Elvis, Elvis, I knew you were alive. Elvis, I, I never believed him when they said you were dead. I'm one of your biggest fans. Elvis, we've missed you so much. Welcome back. Listen, we reserved the penthouse for you. It's 3,000 square feet. It's got 15-foot glass, you know, floor-to-ceiling windows, the best view of Las Vegas. It's on the house. All the beverages you could want, all the food. Elvis, we'll just send it up to your place. Not going to cost you a thing. And here's a voucher, Elvis, for $20,000 worth of chips. You just gamble to your heart's content, Elvis. It's so good to see you. Welcome back to Las Vegas. And Father Morgan looked at him and went, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Say, what does that joke have to do with Father's Day? Well, he was a father. So um, I do, I do want to veer a little bit and talk a little bit today about a, a father's heart. And I actually don't get a chance to do many, many Father's Days over the years. I haven't done too many of these. But I want to talk a little bit about a, a father's heart, and, and I realize I'm talking to a lot of people who are not fathers. But I want you to be able to at least catch the heart of God, who is a father, the father, and catch his heart towards you. Fatherhood itself is a tough role. It is often maligned, and uh, sometimes that's warranted, sometimes it's not, often it's not. If you look at the ratio of single moms versus single dads, it's, it's awfully high. And I think it's a pretty known fact that the moms are the ones who stay. And so the fatherhood's gotten a knock. But fatherhood itself is the most attacked and least celebrated of the roles. I grew up in the, uh, my, my teen years were in the 70s, my adolescent years were in the 60s. And so I remember some of the television shows and reruns 
but I watch shows like Father Knows Best, My Three Sons, Leave It to Beaver. Some of you may need to Google those. They were, they were in. <laughs> but what they did was they set, they set the father up as the kind, uh, a lot of wisdom. They weren't, they weren't mocking fathers. They actually celebrated fatherhood. Uh, in the 70s, they began to shift a little bit, and we had Archie Bunker as a father. And many of you remember that one. And then the 80s, late 80s and 90s, gave us Al Bundy and Married with Children. And so what media has actually been to done, and it's been, pretty, uh, it's been pretty overt, is they really have attacked the role of, of being a father. And so the idea, the idea behind it, too, is it's, it's a challenging role to navigate. Because when you do it well, a lot of times no one notices, but when you do it bad, everybody notices. We've laughed over the years because, you know, when my kids have problems, it's always my fault. Any problem they have in life, it was my fault. You know, I did, in fact, my daughter one time in the middle of a heated argument, she said, it's all your fault. I was questioning her on some of her behavior. She said, it's all your fault. I said, what is my fault? She said, it's your fault that I'm this way. I said, how is that? She said, you didn't spank me enough. <laughs> I thought to myself, well, she's probably right. But anyway, it, it, it's a, a little tougher to negotiate. And over the years, you've started to hear things like, I heard a lady tell me one time she didn't want her sons growing up testosterone poisoned. I'm like, what in the world is that? But then you hear phrases like toxic masculinity. And what you see is it really it's attack on fathers, an attack on, 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 on being a male. One lady who's a, a Christian blogger, she says she constantly goes over with her children. You are not toxic. You are not toxic. She said, I don't, she said, these boys are kind, they're interesting, they're good boys. She said, I don't want them limping through life afraid simply because they're male. And listen, guys, what we need and what can help our society is not for men to become more feminine. It's for men to become more Christ-like. That's what will make the difference. When the Bible talks about fathers, there's, a, there's a, a passage in Luke that talks about father's heart. And it's here in, in Luke, the first chapter. It's talking about John the Baptist. It says, he will go before him, Jesus, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. You, you know one of the ways that, that you can sense God moving is when the hearts of the fathers turn towards their children. And th that becomes a, a sign that God's doing something in our hearts and, the, and that, uh, that God's moving. But in the, in the scriptures, Jesus gives us not just a, a personal example of watching his life, but in this one parable, he gives us a great example of the heavenly father. It's a, a type of him. It's the, the, the parable many of you know as the, the parable of the prodigal son. So let's read that. Then he, Jesus said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. That means wasteful living. But when he spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and sent him into the fields to feed swine, pigs. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, 
How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? He said, I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and before you I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they begin to be merry. Great story. Great parable, great picture of a father's heart. You have to understand that when Jesus told this parable to the Jewish mindset at that time, nothing could be further from, from what they thought than what Jesus told. First, we see that the father was generous. The son asked for part of his inheritance before the father died, and the father gave it to him. Now, again, to the Jewish mindset, this was horrible. The fact that the, it was the younger son. The younger son didn't have the same status that the older son had in the Jewish culture. And so it was the younger son who asked for it, and then he, not only did he ask for his inheritance while the dad was still alive, the dad gave it to him. But then he cashed out and, and left and went. And that was, you know, to them, it's like, you left the home, you left the father's home. Again, the Jewish people are going, this is horrible. But not only did he do that, he went and wasted it on pretty wild living. He pretty much partied it away. But you also see in this father, he, you see that uh, uh, he didn't force anything. He let the son go. He didn't stop him from going. He didn't stop him from wasting his money. And even when his son wound up in the pig pen, you don't see the father going and begging him to come home. He let the son make his own decisions. And when the son came to himself, the son finally wised up and went, hey, listen, my ser the servants in my father's house live better than I'm living here. I mean, here he is, he's feeding pigs, which was another Jewish no-no. Jews aren't real big on pork. And so the idea that he's feeding pigs, you don't get any lower than that. So he's feeding the pigs, and he's, he's there. But the father's not begging him. The father's not doing everything he can to get him to come home. He, he gives him the freedom to choose. Love always gives the freedom to choose. But you also see that the father had compassion. He said that when the son was a long way off, he's coming home now. When he's a long way off, the father saw him. You can just envision this father sitting on the porch or standing on the porch day after day watching down the road hoping he'd see his son return the thing I love about this is when he saw him coming down the road he, he ran to him you know I, I think a lot of times with men if, if that had been many of us we'd have seen son coming down the road and we'd have said ah uh -huh. here comes Mr. Party Time Mr. Party Time <laughs> and we'd have turned around and gone inside and told the servants tell him I'm in the study he can come find me there but this father had compassion. And the unique thing is, he had compassion on the son before the son repented. So before the son ever said, I'm sorry, this father ran to him and ran to him and hugged him and kissed him. Do you realize that you can love someone without necessarily agreeing with what they've done? And he had compassion on him. And he ran and he hugged him and he kissed him. But then he allowed the son to repent. He allowed the son to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. So he allowed him to say that. He said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But before he went into, I'm going to be a hired servant, the father stopped him, cut him off right there. You see, one of the things about repentance is repentance is a huge step for restoration. 
The son said, I'm sorry, I, I messed up. And the father cut him off right there and said, bring out the rope, bring out the ring, bring out the sandals. And you see a, a heart that restored the son to the position of a sonship. I wonder how many, not just fathers, how many people today feel like what they've done is so bad that God would never really, even though he may forgive them, he's never going to forget it. And they're always going to be like second-class citizens spiritually. But it doesn't work that way. He restored this young man to being a son. And they begin to celebrate. You know, the, what the father was celebrating was he was celebrating the restoration of a relationship. He didn't look at the son and go, hey, boy, you really had a great life. You, you really did something good. He didn't affirm his lifestyle. He affirmed his reconciliation and that the boy came home. He loved that. And he loved that child. And in this, you, you see a father's heart of compassion. You're sitting there today thinking, you know, I, I know God loves me, sort of, and I know that, but maybe I've just done so much that I, I want to stay away. No, let me tell you something. When we've messed up, and all of us have, the best place to go is run back to the father's house or someone who loves you and will have compassion on you. God said, he's, actually, Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask him? He's a much better father than any of us have ever had or are. So how do we develop a, a father's heart? How do we do that? There's some things about a father's heart I think are just, it's God-given. It's in us. The first one is a desire to, to provide, desire to be generous. I'm talking about a godly, a godly father's heart. Is that desire to, to provide. That provision, I think it's, it's just in men. There's no need to, to, to make big gender differences, but in men, we want to provide, not just money. We want to provide security. We want to provide a good environment. We want to provide a good home. That's why it's so hard often on men when we lose jobs because it's so, because to provide is in us, to be generous, to be good, it's in us. Paul wrote to, to some fathers. He was, he was talking about three things fathers can do to provide a good, in, in, to a good environment. He said, as you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged. Exhorted, that means to call up, to comfort, words of, of kindness. And charged is to urge every one of you as a father does his own children. That's one thing that you can do as, as a father. You don't have to have the, the greatest amount of money and provide the greatest amount of physical stuff, but can you encourage, can you comfort, can you, can you charge your kids to live for God? That can make a huge difference. Fathers have a generous heart. The second thing you see also in the heart of a dad is it's, it's in us to be able to create healthy boundaries and set the parameters of the family. This is not, I think it's one of the biggest challenges that Joy and I had in our marriages that were very different. And she would look at me sometimes, she'd say, I am not a man. And I would look at her and I'd go, and I am not a woman. And so that sounds like very profound truth, but it is true. And, and, and the idea behind it is, is that we're different and we need to be okay with the differences. How we handled things different, how we parented was different. Michael, my youngest child, is uh, when he was little, he had these little round glasses that he wore. And uh, he, uh, he had some vision problems that have been corrected, but he had, he had these little glasses that he wore. He was a cute kid. I mean, he's a little guy. And when he was in kindergarten, his mom would walk him to the bus stop, stand with him at the bus stop. Then before he would leave, she would kiss his hand and she would do this. This is, this is Hook'em Horns. This is I love you. And she would do this. 
And she said he would get on the bus and he would come to the window with his little glasses and he would do this to his, yeah, that, that, that was all the women going, aww, that was, aww, that was so cute. She said one day, she said she looked up and every kid was in a window doing this at joy. <laughs> but let's fast forward now, Michael's in first grade. The bus stop is around the corner. You could hit it with a nine iron, easy. And I'm, I'm not talking about a golf ball. You could take a literal nine iron and throw it and hit it with, with a nine iron. And, and Joy is still walking him to the bus stop, still kissing his hand, and still doing, doing this thing. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're, we're gonna stop that. The boy could walk to the bus stop by himself, kiss his hand here, but don't be kissing his hand down there at the bus stop. And some of you ladies are going, well, that's not right, that's not right. It is right, because I need to raise a boy to grow up and face life, and so you can walk to the bus stop by yourself. And I didn't tell him that when I was a boy, I walked a mile and a half by myself to school one way when I was six, uphill both ways, and it was, uh, but it, listen, what they've discovered is even that hormone, there's a, what they call the reward hormone. Women get the reward hormone from cuddling. They said men get the reward hormone from, from interacting with their kids with loud play. They're throwing them in the air. Joy never threw the kids. I threw all of them and dropped a few, but I threw them. <laughs> it's, that, it's that rough play because what they said that for men, they, their elements of affection and care are challenge-based. As men, we challenge because we want our children to grow up, to, to build relationships, to be successful in the world, to navigate an incre increasingly complex world. So it's not toxic masculinity. It's simply that God made us differently. And when it's done godly, it's a blessing. It can be huge. Father's heart is compassionate. Compassion says that we leave the light on for you. Pastor Osteen used to say that all the time. He said, leave the light on for them. You've got kids that have gone away from the Lord. Leave the light on for them. They may be away, but you can always watch and pray. You can always continue to pray for them. And a, a father's heart of compassion is willing to forgive and to restore. So forgive and restore. But we could use some of that. Forgiveness and restoration. And willing to express, to express love and affirmation. If I had to say one thing I wish I could have done a little bit more as a father, is I wish I had done a little bit more of the affirmation. A lot of times as a father, we're calling, we're charging, we're trying to pull them up. But we need to make sure that in that compassionate heart, there's still, a, there's still that desire to affirm and to encourage. That's what compassion does. And it's, it is such a blessing to a child. John, John Wooden was a, a very famous basketball coach, coached in the 60s and 70s at UCLA, led him to 11 uh, national championships in a row, basketball. And he said he learned a lot from his father. He said they grew up in rural Indiana, and in rural Indiana, the gravel pits would often hire the farmers to pull gravel, uh, trucks full of gravel out of their pits, and they would use their plow horses. He said one very steamy, steamy summer day, he and his dad went down to the gravel pit, and they noticed a, a young farmer, he was, he was trying to get his horses to pull a full full wagon of gravel out of the very steep incline and he's whipping the horses and he's cursing at the horses and the horses are foaming and it's, they're not going anywhere. John Wooden said his father watched him for a little bit and then he walked over and put his hand on the young man's shoulder and said, let, let me take them for you. 
The boy let him take him, and he walked up to the horses. He began to just to stroke them and talk to them. He said, John Wooden said he almost whispered to them, very calm. He said, then he got actually in between the middle of them and, 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 and began to, to stroke them and talk to them, and he got them settled down. He said when they were completely settled down, he stood out in front of them. He said, and he grabbed the reins, and he just whistled and, and guided them with the reins. He said those horses just took that gravel and just pulled it right out of the pit easily, and they were happy to do it. John Wooden said, I learned something right there. He said that so many leaders are angry. They're yelling. They're cursing. They're, they're trying to control everything. He said, I learned that my dad's calm, confident way was the best way. And he said this, and I thought this was really good. He said, it takes strength on the inside to be gentle on the outside. It takes strength on the inside to be gentle on the outside. It takes strength on the inside to be kind on the outside and to be compassionate. Compassion is not weak. Compassion is strong, and we need compassion. And we also need to be willing to celebrate the right things. You know, one of the challenges I think we've faced over the years, especially as, as fathers, is we raise our kids a certain way, and if they veer off, they go in a different direction. So often that becomes the dividing line. We have to understand, guys, that we can love our children without loving everything they do. We can love our children without affirming their lifestyle. And I know some people say, if you, if you love me, you have to love everything I do. That's not correct. If that was the truth, God would have never sent Jesus. Because the Bible said when we were still sinners, God sent Jesus for us. So it's not that we were doing so good and God said, okay, they deserve my love. Listen, there are some times when love is undeserved, but we give it because that's who we are. And we give it because we love the person. But then we can celebrate what's right. I may love you, I may not celebrate your lifestyle, I may not celebrate what you're doing, I may not celebrate how you vote, your political leanings, I may not celebrate that, but I love you. And the relationship is what's most important. And then the one thing that we can celebrate more than anything else is, if you have a relationship with the Lord, I've done the best job I could. You know, when we were coming back one day from, from the beach, Joy and I had spent some time now, it was kind of a reflective thinking time, and I was kind of lamenting on the way back that I didn't feel like I'd been a good dad. I felt like there were a lot of things I could have done I didn't do, and a lot of things that you know, I should have done and, and didn't, and I was re really starting to get down on myself, and I got quiet for a moment, and then I thought, but you know what? I know, I know that all of my children are saved. I know all of them love the Lord. And when it's all said and done, that's actually the most important thing I could ever do as a father. And that, that would make me, that doesn't make me the dad of the year, but, But it sure gives some peace. So listen, maybe, maybe right now you're, you say, we, I've got relationships with my kids and they're, they're broken, they're estranged and they're doing this and they're doing that. No, you just keep loving them. Keep, keep affirming, I love you. I love you. I'm praying for you. You know, that's what hell, heaven celebrates more than anything else. Look what Jesus said. <laughs> you're going to play with me. like, <laughs> He said, I say to you likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Heaven gets excited when someone comes out of darkness into light. Heaven gets excited when someone turns from, from darkness and turns from that and turns to God. That's when heaven gets excited. You say, well, doesn't heaven love me? Don't, don't they get excited about me? Yeah, but when someone comes out of darkness into light, out of death into life, that's what heaven gets really excited about. That's, that's the heart of a father.
Five years ago, there were some buildings in China that collapsed. They were, uh, they were cheaply built. They were meant to, to uh, house migrant workers, people who had moved from the country in China into the cities to, to help that economy. And they were all these migrant families living together. And during some torrential rain, all four buildings collapsed. For 12 hours, rescuers pulled people out of the rubble. They thought they were done. But in the 12th hour, they actually found a little three-year-old girl buried underneath the rubble who was still alive with minor injuries. But they found her in the embrace of her father who was dead. And what they determined was that the father, 26-year-old man, had actually taken his body and shielded his daughter and a big pillar fell on him. But he used his flesh and blood to give his daughter life. She only had minor injuries. He was gone. It's a great testimony of a father's love but it's also a great reminder that to rescue humanity, it, it took a death, and that God sent his son Jesus, who was crushed on our behalf. And so any way you wanna look at it, humanity was rescued with a sacrificial embrace of a loving father. That's our father, and he's good. Would you bow your heads with me? This morning, you're here, maybe you're watching me online and you say, you know what, Alan, I, I don't know that I have a relationship with God. I don't know that I've ever received Jesus as my Lord, or maybe you're just not sure. This would be a good morning to change that. Or you're here and, or watching and you say, you know, I, uh, I used to walk with the Lord and I've gotten away from him. And I recognize today that I want to come back. We're going to say a prayer. If you're here in this, in this, in this congregation here, we're not going to ask that you would stand up or come to the front. But this prayer is for you. If this is you and you say, you know what, Alan, I want to be sure in my heart that I'm right with the Lord or I want to come back to him. Would you pray for me? We're going to do that. Would you just wave your hand at me? Just wave and say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me that I would come back to him? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate that. Thank you. Anybody else say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? Yes. Thank you. Appreciate your courage. Anyone else? Great. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. If you didn't lift your hand and you really wanted to, you didn't miss out, you can still jump in on this prayer. It's a heart prayer. We're going to pray it with you. As a church family, you pray it out loud with us. If you're watching online, then you can, you can pray this with us. If you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with others, you can pray it quietly. I'll lead you in it. But this is just a wonderful prayer. This is a come home prayer. And this is for you. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now with heads still bowed and eyes closed. Heavenly Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer, for those who have stepped out of darkness and into your marvelous light. And Father, we rejoice, heavens rejoice, and we rejoice with them. And for those who've come back home, Father, we are grateful for that. And Father, for all here who are listening, who are watching online, all who've maybe questioned your love for them or questioned how much you care, thank you that your heart of compassion for us is the greatest example of fatherhood we'll ever see. Thank you for that. 
Thank you for your love and care. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.